Hey, this is Brian. Hey, this is Amanda. And you are listening to the Pro Tips Podcast. Find your focus and level up your life using our random ramblings and pro tips to find that winning edge at life. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pro Tips Podcast. I'm Amanda with my bestie. I'm Brian. Hey buddy, how are you? Hey, I'm so good. Now that we got you all connected and everything. Now that now that I'm connected <laughs> and everyone can hear me. Yay! All right, so I'll go ahead and let you introduce our next our next guest. Uh, we're super stoked about this one. First guest of season two, episode two of 2022. That's a lot of twos. Let's get after it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So today with us, we are talking to Maggie Polonsic. And Maggie is someone that we've wanted to get on the podcast forever. I know the last couple of years, um, if you're in the barrel racing game, you probably know who she is because she's been taking the world by storm. But Maggie is a professional barrel racer, horse trainer. I know she's a dancer. Um, and from the outside looking in, it just seems like she's really awesome at everything she does. And so we just wanted to learn a little bit more about her and pick her brain. So Maggie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I, I need to carry Brian around with me more often. So I, my self-esteem goes up. That was a good intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just give me a call. I, I will tell you how awesome you are all day long. So <laughs> that's Thank why you. we that's why we talk on the phone all the time, huh, Brian? Because we like yep. stroke each other's ourselves feel better because we have but we're not afraid to like put each other in check and be like get your crap together dude it's a thing and that's how real (laughs) friends should be you need people that you know get you in check but also be good for your self-esteem so that sounds like a perfect relationship yeah it's awesome exactly (laughs) pretty lucky so maggie just tell us a little bit about yourself um where you grew up what your life was like and kind of how you started writing and doing all the things that you do So I was born and raised in Gillette, Wyoming, which is in the northeast corner of the state. Um, We're known for, it's very industrial here, you know, oil, coal, that's how our community survives. And so my parents were heavily involved in those industries. Um, I didn't grow up with horses. My family doesn't ranch or neither of them came from a background with really animals at all. Um, so I really brought that to their lives, but I, um, didn't really, I started riding when I was very young, probably three ish. And that was just because the babysitter that I went to when my mom went back to work, her son-in-law raises bucking stock for, um, stock contractors. So he raises the bucking stock and then we'll sell it to them. And that's how I got started riding. And my parents, of course, I was begging for a horse from the time I knew what one was. And my parents told me that if by the time I turned 10, I still wanted one, they would buy me one. So, of course, I still wanted one when I was 10 and they bought me my first horse. And um, I didn't rodeo. I didn't rodeo when I was younger. We would go to like jackpots or barrel races. And that's really where I got my feet wet. And um, I didn't really start rodeoing and barrel racing heavily until like end of college. And then when I graduated college, but I went to school at a CSU in Fort Collins. And so I lived in Colorado for six years, but then I moved back to Gillette, Wyoming. Um, I know people have their opinions of this 
um, town, especially within the state, but it's always home for me. Uh, my family is here and I love it here. So I came back and that's when I really decided to really put all of my efforts towards barrel, barrel horses and training my own and competing on them. Um, so that was 2012, 2013. And um, it's kind of all been downhill or uphill, however you want to look at it since then. <laughs> <laughs> now, a uh, quick question. Amanda right. Welsh lives out there in Gillette also, right? She does. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys ever get together and like ride or like train together or anything? So um, because our schedules are so not the same and, you yeah, know, she has yeah. two kids and actually another uh, NFR qualifier, Cassidy Cruz, who's Cassidy Dean now, she lives in Texas, but she's also from here. Um, oh, neat. So I think this community just breeds hard work. Um, like I said, it's industrial. I mean, people have to get their hands dirty to make a living here. And, and that's why I think there's a lot of rodeo contestants. We have a, a couple team ropers that have made the finals from here. It's just a, it's a community of hard work. And um, because of that, I think people kind of keep to themselves and do their own hard work. So I don't, I don't ride with Amanda. I did go to high school with her. So I do know her and um, we know their family, um, but we don't, we don't spend a lot of time together just because, you know, she's gone Schedules. and I'm here, or I'm gone and she's here and it's just, yeah, not able to match that up. Got you. But I do, I like how you said that your community breeds hard work and that just goes to show, you know, that hard work and determination will get you places. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's a, a huge ingredient for success. I mean, you can't, I, I think you could be successful in the short term without the hard work, but um, if you give, if you, if you give up on that idea, all of that, it takes hard work. Um, I think your success would be pretty short lived. For sure. It's not nothing, nothing uh, worthwhile is ever easy, right? It never right. comes easily. <laughs> it never, like, you can't just walk up and expect to have it handed to you. Right. Um, you know, we've all, we've all seen that kind of stuff of, as far as like, anybody that wants to get anything done, they've really had to like get after it, you know? Yeah. So. And I think anyone that's been through that and had to put in the hard work and realize the efforts of that, when things start getting easy, you kind of have your head on a swivel, like what's going to happen next is, you know, right. what's headed my way. That's an obstacle because you know, it's inevitable and it's coming. So I, I think as you experience those things, you just become more aware that there's going to be more, like it just doesn't end. Right. For sure. Okay. So I posted on Instagram if anyone had questions for Maggie, and I got, like, tons. So, <laughs> unfortunately, won't be able to answer all of them, but I picked out some that I think will be most beneficial for our listeners. And so, um, we will just kind of start, and then, so, I've always been obsessed with your horse, Puff, right? She's amazing. <laughs> We're all obsessed with her. So, Tell us a little bit about her, what her story is like, and if she has any funny quirks that you think people might find interesting. Um, well, thank you for everyone that is a fan of her. Um, it never gets old hearing that because I'm also a fan of her, even though she's mine. I'm a huge fan of that mare. Um, she is a 2012 chestnut mare. She is by um, Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, which I think anyone that's in the barrel racing industry has heard of by now. Um, and then yeah. she's out of a mare that has Meridoc a little bit back on her papers. Um, that mare has also produced some other really, really nice horses. She's no longer with us. We tried to buy her. Um, and she, we, we, by the time we found her, she had passed. So um, she was a very nice mare. Um, Puff is, um, I don't even know how to explain her. She is the biggest blessing of my life. My life changed the day I started competing on that mare. 
um, actually from the day we started her just cause she's, she will throw challenges your way, but she is one of the smartest animals I've ever been on. Um, she of course has her quirks. I think all the good ones do. Um, so she's very easy to handle on the ground. Um, she's very loving. She loves humans, not necessarily other horses. Um, but when you're on her back and she's at an event, she very much knows when it's time to go and she can be on the hotter side and a little bit forceful about what she's wanting to do. Um, I don't pick on her about it because she always, she always goes in there and works for me. So I'm not going to ever pick on her about that. Um, I, she's, she's just a great animal. I, I, I don't know what my life would be like without her. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been really fun to watch her and, um, just kind of when she was coming up through the ranks, I remember watching her if you were out the Utah way and just seeing her grow and like turn into what she is now, it's been really fun to watch. So what was, what was her personality and how she kind of does like it her way and how did you put up with that, but still get what you want out of her? So that's a really, really good question. Um, and I don't know that there's a great answer for it because it's never a straight line, right? It was very, you know, hills and valleys of trial and error. Um, yeah. But I think once it dawned on me that no matter how she warmed up, like if I couldn't manage her how I wanted to in the warm up arena and get done what I wanted to get done, but she'd still go out there and almost always put me in the money. And I'm not being boastful about that. That's just the animal that she is. If she makes a good run, she's generally going to be in the money no matter where I take her. And once I started realizing that, I realized if I'm going to work on anything with this mare, it has to be at home. Like she's just not mentally available for it at events. And I'm not going to force her to be because she's always going to go down the alleyway and she's always going to work for me. So I knew I had to stop um, micromanaging her. And like I said, it wasn't a straight line. It wasn't just like after a couple of times, I was like, okay, I have to do this with her. Um, and it still changes to this day. I mean, there's times in the warm up pen. I can't go in the warm-up pen with her because I know she's on edge that day and I'm out just walking circles by the trailer or whatever I have to do with her that day. And some days she'll go in the warm-up pen and lope around on a loose rein. It just depends on the day. Um, she's not super consistent that way, but she's super consistent um, in the arena when she's competing. Right. And that's what matters. Yes. It's, so... almost like, it's almost like she knows her job and she's like, mom, just get out of my way and let me do my thing. Like, and that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. I was at a jackpot right before we left for Vegas and, um, normally Puff will walk pretty good up the alleyway. I mean, pretty flat footed until I put two hands on the reins and send her. And I walked her around this corner when I was, it was our turn and she saw that first barrel and there was one of my friends sitting in the roping chutes just right next to the alleyway. And I was like, puff, whoa, whoa. Like I was talking to her in the alleyway because she just took off. I mean, she she kind of reared up and took four feet off the ground and then just took off to the first barrel. And I was like <laughs> hanging on the reins. And like, I'm sure the girl that was <laughs> by the roping shoots was just laughing at me. And I'm sure it was a spectacle. But when she knows her job, she knows her job. And I just, you can't micromanage horses like that. You just can't. Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of have to find that fine line of like, okay, this is my idea and this is yours. So let's meet in the middle and make it work. And I think exactly. And it comes down to respect, not always just the micromanaging of the training. That horse respects me and I respect her. And we have right. um, found a really good middle ground. Finally, after four years of competing on her, now we like have this middle ground where I just don't fight with her. And she knows that she can go in and work for me. And, and that's just how it is. Yeah. So do you, do you really feel like she pushed you to be, uh, 
to basically level up your horse training and your horsemanship to where to get on that same level to where you can become the person that needs that can handle a horse like that oh 100 percent. because up till then i i mean up till her i've ridden i've ridden nice horses but i've never ridden anything like her and um when you have a horse like that your immediate focus becomes on how can i keep them this good and that's not always easy. I mean, there's so many elements that go into it as far as, you know, soundness and gut health and environment. And there's just training and competing and entering, right? There's so many things that go into it. Um, but my main focus became, how do I keep her this good? And it's an everyday, it crosses my mind all the time that she's not going to be here forever. And I have to keep her as good as I can for as long as I can. And that's my, that's my only focus. And so in that sense, um, I'm absolutely trying to become better for her every single day. Oh my gosh. I've got so many chills right now, like goosebumps all, all over the place. <laughs> it's so cool. Like just to hear that, you know, it seems like it doesn't matter if it's a horse that you're training or for me, an event, I'm going to go shoot. That's bigger than something I've ever, I've never done before. Uh, it's, it's something it's opera. It's taking the opportunity to grow and step into that next level of your life and really embracing that moment, you know, is kind of, is kind of awesome. So absolutely. And that's where the growth happens. That's where you overcome fear and, and kind of get out of your own way about it. Yes. Um, and that's hard. And, and I think a lot of people never, never do that. And, and then that's why we don't see them at their full potential, whatever it may be business or fitness or, or, you know, bro racing, whatever it is. Um, and, and, and that's, it's, it's hard to watch sometimes, especially if it's someone you care about not getting out of their own way and conquering those fears so that they can be greater. Yeah. Yeah. You know, self-sabotage is a huge, like, that's a thing, like that's a real thing where, you know, you have the potential to go to this next level, but you're so scared of the unknown that you're like, oh my gosh, do I really want to take these steps? Cause this could literally change my whole entire life. And it's like, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable to move on to the next level. Oh, 100%. And, and really going through in your mind, like, okay, so what is the worst case scenario? Like, don't dwell on the worst case scenario, but get, get familiar with it. And then what are the consequences of that worst case scenario? Well, you'll probably survive it and you'll probably learn something from it. So worst case scenario, you come out a better person. You may not win, but you're going to be a better person and you may not win that battle, but you're definitely going to win the war if you can analyze those kinds of things and just get comfortable with, with the unknown. Dude, that is so I love it. I love everything about that. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, do you have another question for? Yeah. So I have a couple more horror type questions and then we can um, dig more into mindset. We had a reoccurring question for Maggie. Brian, go ahead and hit us with it. Yeah, so one question that we kept getting is, what is your feeding and conditioning program like? So I'm sure it's different for every horse, but just give us maybe some of your favorite exercises and products that you like to keep your horses in the best physical condition. Absolutely, and I I love this question because um, I'm a science nerd. I love research, and I love the science backing of why we do the things we do or why we use the things we use. So, um, in a nutshell, my base for every horse, um, feeding wise is we get really good hay and we have it tested so that we know what nutrients are in it. And then we can supplement after that. Um, I feel like if you don't necessarily know everything that's in your hay, which is the base of your, or cubes or whatever you're using, we use hay, but, um, 
if you don't know the basis of that, it's hard to supplement on top because you don't actually know what your horse is getting the most of. So we have our hay tested. And then um, from there, my protocol is I feed Renew Gold. Um, I really like things without corn or molasses. I feel like that does my mares um, a lot of good. And so I have them on Renew, Renew Gold. And then I just feed my geldings that because that's what I have and they do just fine on it. Um, and then we feed soaked um, beet, beet pulp shreds to everything. And then um, they each, each horse I'm running has um, a custom blend of herbs from Pure Equine Herbs, which is owned by Jen Evans. And I just want to give her a huge shout out because she is kind of my go-to person as far as this, this science that we're talking about. And then um, EO3 oil from Kentucky Equine Research. So that's my base for everything that I feed. And then if they need anything on top of that, then um, that is given. Um, I learned a lot from Jen as far as horses' nutritional needs. Um, I think we all as horse owners and performance horse owners know that if a horse isn't competing, they need less. And if they're competing, they need more. Um, but they also seasonally, their nutritional needs change. And um, I've learned a lot from her. I don't claim to be an expert and she kind of takes the reins on all of the things that the horses are fed. But I've learned, I've learned a lot from her. And so she's been a huge resource. Um, and then as far as conditioning, so um, I tend to do things a little bit differently than other people. Um, last year, probably 18 or so months ago, I sat down with a track trainer from California and we devised a program for my barrel horses. And the reason we did this was because Puff was, um, she had bled on me a couple times and I don't, um, I don't love Lasix. Um, I don't vilify anyone that does, does like it. It's just not my cup of tea and my, my horse wasn't doing well on it. So I needed to find a way and I knew there was a way to get her off of that drug and to get her running successfully without it. And so I got a hold of a track trainer in California and um, he asked me, what do barrel horses have to be good at as far as physically? And I said, well, they have to have a certain skill set. They have to be strong and they have to be fast. Um, so we devised a program and my week revolves around skill, strength and speed. Um, the speed part, of course, is sprinting. And of course, when we first start these horses, we don't just go make five 15 second sprints somewhere um, that will ruin a horse faster than anything you need to build up to all of these things um, and then the strength workouts are done um, with ground poles or on inclines or across inclines backing is a big one and then of course skill is um nothing as barrel racers that we're foreign with that's you know i i tend to lean towards the dry work side so i don't work the pattern a lot i don't necessarily do a lot of drills but i'm always kind of for lack of a better term, pushing the buttons on my horse, figuring out how to move their body more efficiently. So that's kind of what my weeks look like. Um, they'll do their skill work once to twice a week, depending on where they are in their training and competition schedule. They'll do strength work once or uh, two to three times a week and then sprinting once a week. And that also depends on their competition schedule. So if we're in the heat of the season, I'm obviously not going to be doing sprint work on the horses I'm running because they're making runs, you know, once or twice a week. So they don't need it. Um, so that's in a nutshell. I mean, there's a bunch of science that went behind that um, with the track trainer that I was working with. We had heart rate monitors. We have journals full of um dated material that has, you know, wind speed, humidity, the type of ground these horses were working on. So we took a lot of time to get this put together and um, it'll change as I apply it to other horses. But for now, I think we have a good grasp on it. 
Um, and then of course, now that I say that things will change and I'll need to change it. But <laughs> for right. now, that is kind of what, what my nutrition and my conditioning program for my horses looks like. Yeah. Well, I love that because I, um, my dad and my grandpa both trained race horses and ran flat track and chariot horses. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where my conditioning program came from. And so I think they're probably more similar than we think. And compared to a lot of barrel racers, it's quite different, but I mean, like you said, there's science behind it and that's what we, or why we do what we do. So I think that that's, that's really interesting. Definitely something that um, maybe some of our listeners can look into. So thanks Absolutely. for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And then our question before we dig in a little bit deeper is we had a lot of people ask for maybe some tips or advice to young girls that are thinking about getting their WPRA permit. So do you have any advice for them? So I would say do it yesterday. Um, there's nothing that's going to outdo experience. And I wish I would have known that sooner. I wish someone would have just said, Hey, you're running in the 2d consistently on, I had a dash to fame gelding that I had in college and we were in the 2d and I was like, well, I'm never going to be able to compete at a rodeo. Like that's a ridiculous thought. Why would I even think that? Um, when in reality I probably could have been. Um, and so I, I, my career was at a standstill because I wasn't willing to take that jump and just go do it. So I think, um, read the rule book, If you have questions, reach out to resources. Um, Your circuit director is a great resource, and they're all very, very nice women there to help you. Um, And do it. Like I said, just do it yesterday. Uh, There's no time like right now, and you'll wish you would have done it sooner. Right. And that's one of those things where if you wait until you're ready, you're never going to do it. Like you're never going to get after it ever. Exactly. You know, I look back on my journey uh, to become a PRCA photographer, and I literally waited 10 years. Um, to the point where I had Dave Jennings tell me straight up, Amanda, like it's time, like it's time for you to get after it and go after your permit and get your card and you need to be shooting PRCAs. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even ready, but you know, it's all in God's timing and it's all in the universe's timing. But at the same time, it's like we were talking before, you have to reach out into the unknown and know that, you know what, no matter what, you're going to be fine. If this is the direction you want to go, you need to just get after it because there's literally no time like the present. Life is short. You never know how much longer you're going to have your horse that, you know, that you're running on and you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So you might as well take advantage of, of every opportunity now. And I love how you said, reach out to your circuit directors because all the circuit directors that I know, like Wilderness Circuit and Mountain State Circuit, they are very, very helpful, very nice women that want to see the sport grow. They do. And you would be surprised um, at how, I mean, I guess maybe not surprised is the right word to use, but they know that rule book in and out and they know what's going on at the board meetings. They can give you answers you can't get anywhere else because they kind of have like an inside scoop. Um, and I don't think they're utilized enough. I know I don't utilize mine enough and she's great. Right. So um, and, and as far as getting started, Amanda, you're so right, because once you get started, you can always adjust, right? Yes. Like just get yep. started. And then if, if a curveball comes your way, you just adjust, um, and, and you'll get really good at it when you pro rodeo, you'll get really good yeah. at adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, and it's, and it basically, I'm a big believer on, um, backing yourself up and believing in yourself and believing in your abilities, because I wasn't always that person. Like I, I didn't always believe in myself. I, I struggled for a long time with 
the story of, you know, can I really do this? Am I really good enough? All this other stuff. And, and honestly, I mean, it's, it helps to have a good support system that believes in you, but the foundation of everything comes from believing in yourself and knowing that you're fully capable of getting where you want to go. Right. Because if you don't make the effort, you could have a million people standing behind you saying, you're good enough to do this. Why don't you go do it? But if you don't make the move, then it'll never happen. They can't do it for you. They can believe in you all they want, Yep. but that does nothing for the actual physical tangible of just going and doing it. Yeah. And it straight up comes down to, you have to be the one to decide that, you know what, I got this and I'm, I'm going to get after it. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So man, that was that was good right there. Yeah, if no one else needed to hear it, I did. So <laughs> calling me out well, like that. We've been talking to Brian. Brian's been on the fence, sorta of, kinda, about getting his PRCA permit uh, as a header. And so we've been trying to find him a healer, but you know, we're just kind of we're still putting it out there and it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. But Brian, you have the tools and you have the capabilities. And who roped a four point whatever on Saturday? That'd be me. There yeah. you go. See, I'm just saying. Yeah. And, but that team <laughs> roping, man, you have to, and that confuses the heck out of me. Like finding a partner, and it's just so. I, I'm sure you'll figure it out because you know a whole bunch more than I do about it. But um, there's no reason that Brian can't be out doing that. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> well, Hashtag that... support system engaged. There you go. <laughs> I know. I love it. That's what this is all about, right? That's, That's right. It's so cool. Awesome. So Maggie, a couple weeks ago, I put up a Facebook post on my personal Facebook talking about what morning, what, what my friends do in the mornings to set themselves up for, for a good day. And the answers I got were super awesome, but I swear yours was my favorite. So I want to hear what, like what your answer was to that, because it's so unique and different and it really it really made me think that, you know what, like you don't have to have a set schedule every morning. Right. And I, lo- there were so many great answers on that post and I am, I love those kind of things. The, the books I read are all about, um, you know, being more efficient and they're really motivational and how to meditate and all, all these things. And, and so your post really caught my eye and I just wanted to share kind of a different point of view because all these books I read are, you know, um, Miracle Morning is one that stands out to me and it was a very good book. And I, I learned a lot from that book, but what it does is it, it makes you feel like you have to have this set morning routine and you have to do, you know, you have to get up and, uh, take a cold shower for five minutes and then you have to meditate for 10 minutes and then you have to exercise for 30 and then you have to read for an hour. And then, and then by the time you're done with your morning, you've been up since three and then you're still late for work. So, (laughs) and I, and I hated when I was doing those things, I was, I was setting these timers, but I wasn't being super intentional about what I was doing, whether I was taking the cold shower or I was meditating or whatever I was doing because I was always worried, okay, is my alarm going to go off? Did I set it? Like, and then I'm like, okay, well, I spent only three minutes doing this thing and I should have been doing it for five. And, and so I just mentally, I was not where I needed to be. So now what I do is I have a list of things I like to do in the morning. I like to meditate. I like my cold shower. I like reading. Um, and I like doing my cardio in the morning. Um, And so I have this, you know, I have some things I can choose from, but when I wake up, I wake up two hours earlier than I have to be anywhere. And when I wake up, I just kind of get in tune with myself and I think, okay, what do I want to do today? And if I feel like I need to, you know, get a good sweat on, I'll just go right down and do my cardio. If I feel like I want to sit and read a book for an hour and a half, then I do that. 
if I feel like I want to get up and get out of the house right away and I want to go check on my horses and clean stalls and kind of watch what they're doing, um, then I go do that. And I feel like if I want to just sit and drink coffee and pet my dog, then I do that. So, um, and it's really lent to a lot of creativity as far as exploring different methods of meditation or journaling, or, um, I'm not, I'm not adhered to this certain schedule and this certain thing I need to get done in five minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it may be and have all these alarms going off, interrupting what I'm doing. Um, I think that to-do lists and, um, you know, morning routines that you have to stick to can really stifle that creativity because you're only concentrating on what you have to check off on that list instead of really just being in tune with yourself and figuring out what that is that you feel like your soul needs that day. And that might sound kind of, you know, I don't know, whimsical to people, but I'm, I'm really into that. I'm really into internally really being aware of what my body needs that day. That's absolutely spot on and exactly what we need to hear. And don't even worry about sounding all like woo-woo and like wonky <laughs> and stuff. Because ask Brian, I get pretty woo-woo on this podcast. Like I, I talk about spirit guides. I talk about my soul. I talk about the universe. I talk about manifesting. And my favorite thing about what you just said was just checking in with yourself and finding out exactly what you need that day, you know, and Cause I used to be the same way where I'd get so wrapped up in like checking all the boxes that I made sure I did all of my met, all of my, you know, personal development stuff first thing in the morning. And it's like, yeah, you get so wrapped up in trying to get the, the boxes checked off and the list checked off that you forget the intentional part of it. Like the whole, the whole point of it is to set, set yourself up for a good day and really get intentional about creating the kind of day that you want. And that really does start in the morning, whether it's get up in the morning and read for 20 minutes or get up in the morning and scroll Facebook for 20 minutes or whatever you need to do, you know, to kind of just get your vibe right. Like you should totally do that. And there's no right or wrong way to do that. It's whatever your soul needs and whatever your heart desires, like just do that. And if that's going to make you happy, then that's all that matters. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and since you're really into like the universe and um, spiritual stuff like that, Amanda, I, I love being able to wake up and lay in my bed and like, kind of let the universe, like, tell me what needs to happen. Because I think, and this again, goes into the weird, like whimsical, like hippie stuff. But like, some days there's might be a morning where my body and the universe is telling me, okay, you need to just chill out at home for a couple hours. Maybe that situation is uh, helping me avoid something bad that would have happened if I would have been on, you know, a slick road in the morning in the middle of winter in Wyoming or, you know, like I think about those things. I think about things like I'm stuck behind this slow freaking car that won't go the speed limit. I want to pass you so bad, but I can't. And I'm like, maybe this is the universe telling me that if I would have done that, I would have been at an intersection at the wrong time and been in an accident. Like, that's kind of where my brain goes. And I really let the universe kind of tell me, I mean, people are going to think I'm weird, but (laughs) the more I'm talking about this, but I let the universe kind of tell me those things. And I really try to use my intuition for those kinds of things. And those kind of things can really help you with your horse. Because the more in tune you are to the universe and like the magnetic field that you're in and, and um, being aware of all of those things, horses are very in tune to energy. And um, anyway, I think it can help you as a horse person too. So if you think I'm crazy, that's fine. And you can disregard everything I said. But <laughs> no, no. We're like both you, the exact same. So. Good. Okay, good. language is what you're doing. It's awesome. <laughs> I love yeah. It. Like two days ago, I was just telling you that I, I'm like, it's weird because 
like you can speak to your horses through your body language and your energy and everything, you know? Oh, 100%. Like that's literally the only way they know how to communicate. That's how they communicate with other horses is their body language and their energy. So 100%. And, and there's days that I've been on a colt and I'm frustrated and I, you know, put him up and I go out and try to catch puff and she'll run for me. And oh I'm yeah. Like, what the she's like, I, I do to you. you. And then that she's like, is bad my cue. Yeah. That's my cue to take a deep breath and relax and then go back out. And she's one of those horses that's way more in tune to her people than, than some others that I have. And so she's kind of always my gauge. Like if she's not wanting to be around me, I know that I got to chill. I got to go sit in the truck for a minute and, you know, figure my stuff out before I can get on her. Um, so it, it, it's really cool. It's cool to experiment with too. Um, oh, yeah. see how sure. your horses react to it. Well, and like, I'm, I'm right there with you as far as like, cause you know, I travel all the time doing my rodeo photography and everything. And, and there's been times where like, if I'm like frustrated at like roadblock after roadblock after roadblock and detour and everything like pops up and <laughs> makes me even more late. So I'm like, okay, honestly, this is just my way, my, my sign. I'm just saying, chill out, sis. Right. Like, you got time to get there. And so a lot of times, like if I'm just cruising along and I got somebody like riding my tail or whatever, I will legit like slow down just so that they can go around me because I'm on my own timeline. And like, yes. as the number one priority for me is getting wherever I'm going safely, Yep. you know, and I like how you said you listen to your intuition a lot with all of that stuff. Cause I, I've been working quite a bit the last year and a half or so of really tuning into my intuition and listening to my spirit guides and like my higher self on what I need to fill myself up what I need to do and which events I need to go to and how I need to act while I'm there and just being more aware of what's happening within me as well as what's happening around me. And, and I think if people do that and Amanda, you've probably experienced this too, the more that you, um, you do that and you lend yourself to that, the more the universe will start talking back to you, the universe or God, or, you know, whatever, anybody, however they want to apply that. I don't want to make that so narrow, but um, it'll happen more and more. Yes. Um, If you just, and it's then it's no different than your, um, if you're looking for a yellow car, all you're going to see is yellow cars. You know what I mean? Yes. It's no different than that, but exercising it, um, kind of expands a whole new, um, a whole new life. My life has changed. Um, and it it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Um, but it, like I said, it's super fun to experiment. If you just want to experiment, start experimenting, um, animals are a great place to start. Yeah. And cause they will tell you in a hurry where your energy is at. 100%. Well, and anyone that has a dog, I mean, if you come home sad and you're kind of moping on the couch, I mean, what does your dog do? They come oh, be by you, right? Oh, yeah. They're right there. Yep. I mean, they, they know, I mean, that's just a simple example, but you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. Animals are amazing. Animals and kids, they will tell you. Oh, for sure. Brian, I want you to tell us, uh, about which which horse talked to you when you asked asked her what she needed was that mudslinger yeah so it's a funny story so I had this mare in that a client had brought me to put up on consignment for to sell for them and she was one of those horses that for some reason the second she walked in my barn I was and that wasn't (laughs) because I saw her papers or I saw how she was built or anything like I just instantly our energies just clicked you know Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've experienced that with some horses so for some reason we just clicked and a couple days after I was working her she had a lot of problems that we had to work through and so I just started on the ground kind of building a bond with her getting her trust and her respect and all of that and 
I was just working her in the round pen. And for some reason, I felt like she was telling me, like, look on my right side. I hurt in my right side because she wouldn't get down in the dirt and turn on her right side. And even mm-hmm. if you asked her to flex or anything, she wanted nothing to do with it. So I was just w- working her on the ground and I was like, I just feel like I need to look at her right side. So I run my hand down the back of her, uh, the back of her right leg. And I noticed there's this giant pulled muscle that's bulging out. And oh my God. I don't know when it happened, if it happened before I got her or whatever, because I'd only had her a couple days and I mainly just like, you know, settle in. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, she was just telling me like, look on my right side. And I find once we resolved that through body work and laser therapy and stuff, like totally a new horse and Long story short, I own her now, and <laughs> she's a project, but she's my project. And I well, that was going to so. be my question, is I, I hope you still have her, because <laughs> oh, yeah. you sound like her person. Yeah, for some reason, I mean, she's one of those horses that has bounced, bounced from owner to owner, and she's only five years old, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I mean, she ended up in my barn, and two years later, she hasn't left. We're very behind, but, you know, I, I feel like she's right where she needs to be, so... That's such a great story. I love that. I love that so much. And they, they do tell you, I mean, have you ever walked out to a pen of horses and you're like immediately drawn to say like a lower leg on one of them and you go look at it and it's swollen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, when you become in tune with your animals, those kinds of things happen. Like I can be looking at puff out in the pasture and sometimes I just glaze right over her. And I, that's my way of saying, or my mind or my intuition telling me she's fine. And then there's Uh sometimes I just stare at her and I like will start staring at like one part of one of her legs. And I'm like, I got to go check that. And nine times out of 10, I'm not saying I'm psychic. I'm not saying I have any kind of super ability. Nine times out of 10, there's something going on. She either has like a cockle burst up to it or, you know, she bent a shoe or, you know, there's something there's nine times out of 10, there's something. And um, it's crazy how those things work. I 100% believe in those kind of things. Yeah. And I think, I think it's just your intuition and, you know, you and your horse's energies, once they get on the same wavelength, Mm -hmm. you're just able to think the same, work the same. And I mean, I always tell people, you know, everyone says horses can't talk, but if you listen, they really do. And so they do, they do in their own way. And we just have to adjust to it and be aware of, of what, of that. Yeah, absolutely. It comes with, it comes with getting in your own awareness of your own self. You know, once you get, in your own awareness and start asking yourself the questions that that will literally open you up to being open to getting into their own awareness, like into their awareness as well. Mm -hmm. And they will tell you, they will tell you exactly what they need. They will. I'm I'm not a horse person, but I am an animal person and my dogs talk to me all the time. Yep. And of course I talk back. Well, I'm right there with you on that. I'm always talking to oh whatever. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. <laughs> Brian, do we have any other questions? Oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun, you guys. I am too. That's what I told Amanda. I said, I feel like both of us could talk to her all day, so we need to make sure we don't take all day. But... <laughs> well, I feel like I've met my people. Like I feel like I could talk to you guys about this stuff all day. Because some people, you say these things and they kind of are like, oh my gosh, this person's crazy. Like, please oh, yeah. don't ever talk to her again. She's so oh, weird. My... But. Oh. Yeah, it happens to me all the freaking time. Like I'll say, I'll say something about like, oh, the universe did this or the universe did that, and they're gonna be like, what? Like, that's a little out there, Amanda. Like, no, it's not. Like I really did this. Yeah. <laughs> but I was totally that person when she started talking to me about all of this. I'm like, uh, 
you're insane. Like, you have no clue what's going on in life. But, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Newsflash, I kind of know my stuff now, huh, Brian? Yeah, I'll give you credit for it. (laughs) I'm his official, unofficial life coach. Yeah, officially unofficial. Yep, I like it. So, I think one good question to end on is... um, I know that you are a very, like, you're one of those people that it seems like you try to take care of yourself very well, and you're into, you know, going to the gym and and keeping your fitness a priority. And so how do you think that keeping your fitness and your health a priority has helped you become a better horsewoman? That is a fantastic question. And I, um, I think there's so many ways it can be answered. Um, obvious, the obvious, of course, are physical. Um, if you're strong, you're able to have a better um, sense of balance on your horse. Um, you know, you're 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 responsible for your body, and so you're not hanging around on their, you know, hanging on their mouth or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I think it helps me ride more talented horses. Um, and that of course is my goal. So, um, I don't know that I'll ever own a, a horse, um, as great as puff. Um, it would be great if I, if I had a, a pasture full of them and, and that of course is the goal. But, um, if I don't take care of myself physically, um, I'm not the best I can be for them. So I'm, I don't ride them the best. I get tired and don't take care of them the best. Um, I just, everything for me boils down to giving those horses the best that I can, and if I'm not in a state to do that, I feel like a failure. Um, so I, I refuse to fail them. And um, I just want to have as much energy as I can to go down the road and make sure they still are getting everything that they, they need and that I'm riding them to their potential, not annoying them by doing stupid crap because I can't keep my balance. So um, the short answer is that I just want the best for them. And so I'm going to they that kind of indirectly forces me to be more fit. Right. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree because, you know, I was just saying a couple days ago, I need to get back on the meal prep train because I wake up every morning and feel like crap and then wonder why because I'm eating McDonald's every day, you know? Right, because it's easy and And, it's quick and you're busy. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, I have all these horses to ride and blah, 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 but those horses aren't getting the best me because I don't feel like the best me. Right. So it's not... I think the number one thing that people think is that it's selfish to take that extra time for yourself, whether that's meal prepping or going to the gym or whatever you need to do to be your best. But it's actually selfless because if you don't feel well, you're not going to go take care of your horses like you should. And then that's not hurting you. That's hurting them. And so, you know, if you care about yourself and your horses, that's something that you will make a priority. And so it's not selfish at all. And you nailed it, Brian, you nailed it. It's not selfish to take care of yourself first. And I know this is so cliche and I used to roll my eyes when I heard it is that, you know, when you're on an airplane that's crashing, not that that happens to a lot of people, but they say, put your mask on first, right? Because if you can't be healthy and alive to help other people, then you're useless. So it's the same concept. And, and the thing with fitness, um, and nutrition is I think there's a lot of places that have made it very complex and it's not, um, I mean, if, if you're, if you truly want to be better, um, then you're okay with eating the same thing every day for lunch, just cause it's easy to pack it, you know, like say chicken and rice and a vegetable or something. Um, and the resources for fitness, I mean, you don't have to spend two hours at the gym. You can spend 30 minutes in your living room, um, 
you know, at, at night or in the morning or whenever you have time. Um, there's so many resources as far as apps and online things now, and even food companies that you can order prepped meals they're delivered to your house and you just carry them with you um so there's there's really we're living in a time where there just aren't any excuses anymore other than you just don't want to yeah. and that's fine and, and some people <laughs> you, you know i was reading a book recently it says just in so like they used smoking as an example just admit that you're not ready to quit smoking but take a small step towards that so maybe that's just you're smoking one less cigarette a day and then you're smoking two less a day just be willing to admit, I'm not ready to give it up. You know, I'm right. not ready to give up McDonald's. I want a McDonald's once a week, so I'm going to do that. But maybe I'm going to have half as much. Maybe I'm going to have a small fry instead of a large fry. It has to start somewhere. And cold turkey is generally not going to be beneficial to most people. So um, just, you know, admit you're not ready for the, f- the full shebang, but just get started somewhere. Oh, my gosh. That's so perfect. So I started a fitness journey back in August and you're totally right. Like it's so hard. And when she handed me my meal plan on like things that I can like use to meal prep and food stuff and everything, I was like, holy shit, like this is legit. Like this is where stuff's getting real. And, you know, I can either, I can either fall back into my old routines and do the workouts, but then still eat like crap. Or I can make, make it a point to actually meal prep my, my meals and start feeding my body and fueling my body with, you know, great nutrition and like great food and stuff. And either way, I could either, you know, I have a choice on which direction to go. And so I chose to go the meal prep route. Mm-hmm. And does it take a lot of discipline? Yeah, absolutely. Does it take a lot of hard work? Yeah, for sure. Does it take a lot of uh, changing the story in your head from one of, you know, I don't have time to meal prep to one of, uh, I always have time to meal prep. It's safe for me to meal prep or my body deserves to have great meals and, you know, things like that. So it's just, it's a conscious choice that you make every day, but you're absolutely right. Like you have to decide. And sometimes you even have to admit that, you know what, like, I'm not really ready to take that step, but I'm going to take a little step. And it's the little steps and the little wins that you, that you do every day that are going to get you where you want to go. Yes. Consistency. And I was just on the phone with a friend before we started talking and we were talking about that. She's doing that 75 hard challenge. Um, and it's, um, if you can just, anyone that's not familiar with it, you can just Google it and you can find it right away. It's pretty simple, but it's, it's takes the consistency. Yes. Um, and that's the biggest part of, of it. And, Mm -hmm. and I would, I would urge anyone that's getting in into a fitness journey or, um, you know, just a health journey in general, whether they want to eat better and work out and they're doing it just to be healthy instead of, um, being, you know, considered fit, like have six pack abs or whatever that would be do one thing at a time. So don't go from sitting on the couch, eating McDonald's three times a week. We're really bagging on McDonald's, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, you know, the, the cliche thing, but, um, don't go from that to saying you're going to be in the gym seven days a week and you're right. only going to be eating vegetables and lean protein. Because you're going to give up after day one. So say, you know, you just set smaller increments and then you build into that. I'm going to go to the gym once a week and I'm going to change what I'm eating for lunch. Yeah. Those things, just doing that thing. And then you'll feel stronger and like, I think I can go to the gym twice a week. And I think I can eat no carbs for dinner. You know, it just, it builds on itself, but doing it all at once is too overwhelming. And I think that's in the fitness industry, why people, um, essentially fail. Yes. They, they quit because it's just too hard to do it all at once. 
Well, if you think about this, you don't go from the bottom of the ladder right to the top. And you don't go from the bottom of the mountain straight to the top. Like, you're going to have to take steps one at a time to get there. And I like how you said, just do one thing every day. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Braxton Nielsen on this podcast uh, last year. And he said, you know, if you're just 1% better every day than you were the day before, then after a year, you're 365% better than you were when you started. Yep. You know, and um, I had a thought. It was with like my fitness journey, you know, there was a lot of like self-talk that went into it, you know, Um, and a lot of like making promises to myself that I had to keep, you know, because it's so easy to keep promises to other people. Like, you know, Brian and I, we keep promises all the time. Oh, we're going to record the podcast on this day. And you, and you stick to it because you don't want to let the other person down. But then when you start making promises to yourself, like how easy is it to just like not hold that promise? But once you start following through and keeping the promises to yourself, then it gets easier and easier every day to say, okay, you know what, on this day, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do this much on the treadmill and I'm going to lift this amount of weight. And once you follow through with that, you start seeing that you're somebody that you can trust. You can trust yourself to go to go through the steps and to get to that next level because you keep promises to yourself. Yeah. And I think that is, no, I love that. And and what I started doing, and this may help some people, is I have a notebook for um, my workouts and I have a notebook for like my training for my horses. So um, every either Saturday or Sunday, I sit down and I write out the entire week and I write out um, what I'm going to do with each horse and I write out what I'm going to do for myself in the gym. And if I don't if I can't check that off, you know, say like, okay, I did that workout and this is the way to lift it or whatever and keep my journaling. And I, I did do this with this horse. If I don't get it done that day, then I end up having to move it to another day. And I'm not okay with that. Cause that feels like a failure. I'm just putting it off Ooh. till tomorrow. And, and what if I don't have tomorrow? And then my notebook is a mess. Cause I had to cross stuff out, move it to another page and that drives me crazy. So it really held me accountable. I'm very visual and I love notebooks. I love writing things down physically. It really helped me say, well, I can't move that to a different day because I'm leaving town that day. So I have to do it today. Like I don't, I don't have a choice and I have to figure out how to get it done. So I don't know if that'll help other people, but, um, that might, uh, that's what I started doing. I actually love that so much because I'm the same way. Like I'm very visual. Like you should see my, no- my desk, it's like covered in notebooks. So that's got notes all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And I have to have, I'm one of those weirdos that actually has to have a physical planner. Like, you know how these days everybody's got all their schedules and everything on their phones and their calendar. No, like give me an actual planner where I can write things down and I can say, I can open up my, my month and be like, okay, this is where I'm going, where, when, and all that stuff. And yeah, so that's a great tip. And I think I might have to start copying you. Yeah, it's, I'm sitting here nodding my head because I'm, I literally have my planner sitting in front of me right now. Cause I was just going through the <laughs> entries for the pro rodeos to see if they, they added anything online so I can, you know, write down when the entries open and what days the rodeos are. And, um, so I'm right there with you. I have had a physical planner since elementary school and I don't go a year without them. I feel you. Yeah. But what a great way to stay organized. Like once you realize like that's your learning style and that's what you need to stay on top of things. Like, I mean, that's, it's so awesome to just be like, no, I got to have this tool to keep me on track, you know, and organization, especially as busy as you are is definitely key in a lot of your success. I'm sure. 
Yeah, I have to, if I don't have my planner and I can't open it up, I mean, I lost mine once and my dance students were like, oh my God, Maggie's going to go crazy. She lost her planner. <laughs> and it's true. I wouldn't know what I was going to do next week because it was in there, not in my brain. You know, like yeah. if I can't flip the page and it's just, they're so beneficial to me. I love them. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, where are you headed next? What's what's next on the plan for this month and this year? So Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is our circuit finals up in Montana. Um, so we'll go up to Great Falls and thank goodness the weather is going to be above zero, which is nice. <laughs> I don't know why. And I really would like an answer for this. Why Montana feels like they have to have their circuit finals in the middle of January. Yeah. It's always what been is- like that. But why is my question? Anyway, maybe I'll get an answer to that someday. Maybe I'll contact my circuit director. She'll probably know. <laughs> write a letter. To the, write yeah. a letter to the president of the circuit. <laughs> yeah. Something. Something's got to be done. But no, it it's good. And it, it's a fun little funky arena. Um, it, it'll be a challenge, but I'm excited to get up there and give it a shot. And then I'm up in Denver the next week. Um, and then we'll head down. I drew up in Fort Worth the week after that. So, um, after that, I'll probably stay in Texas for a while, um, depending on how the rodeos go down there, but we're also pulling embryos from puff. So we're going to do that down in Southern Texas. And, um, so we'll, we'll be down there for a little bit. Um, I'll probably come home for some bigger rodeos like rapid. Um, but um, it's the first year I've actually planned to spend time in Texas. And so nervous, excited, all, all those kind of feelings. And, um, so that's kind of the schedule through the spring. That is exciting. That's way awesome. Thank you. It'll be fun. Lots of learning. I foresee. Yes. (laughs) Always be open to the lessons. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you have anything else, buddy? Well, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Um, I know I learned a lot and this will be a good one for our listeners to tune in on. And I hope that they learned a lot. So thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's always um, fun to talk to people that you kind of have the same mindset about things and, and bounce ideas off them. So I really appreciate you guys having me on. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find you if they want to follow your travels and your adventures on social media? So I just have Facebook and Instagram, um, and both of them are just my name, Maggie Polonsic. The last name is spelled P-O-L-O-N-C-I-C. And so pretty easy to find. Um, My Facebook is a little bit more private um, because I kind of just keep people on there that I like know. Um, So if you've sent me a friend request, don't. I don't want you to feel like I'm actively ignoring you, but I am kind of close to my 5,000 friend limit, but I post almost all the same things on my Instagram. Um, so you can see that and it's not private. So you don't even have to follow me. You can just create me when you want, <laughs> but um, so it's just easy. I just have those two. I don't really utilize anything else. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Maggie, so much. We are so grateful for you taking the time to visit with us today. It's been an awesome awesome adventure and i swear i feel like i just found my uh my spirit animal my little <laughs> sister <laughs> I, yes, do too. I, feel, I feel that too i mean i kind of got that vibe from both of you just following you on social media and i've talked to brian in person before too so i kind of got that vibe but it's been solidified so yes yep. well and i can't wait to see you at a rodeo or see you at a jackpot or see you somewhere and give you a big old fat hug because i am yeah I'm super, super human fan now. It's awesome. Thank you. I'm sure we'll see you. I'll see both of you down the road. I'm sure it's inevitable. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Yep. At some point. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks so much. And you enjoy your day and safe travels to you. Perfect. You guys too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>